This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, the business station. Ringgit and Sense on BFM 89.9, the business station. Good morning, you're tuned in to Ringgit and Sense, the show all about personal finance, and I'm Sim Weeboon. Multiple surveys have shown that Malaysia generally do not save a lot. In fact, almost 20% of millennials in Malaysia don't save at all, while about 50% won't be able to last past three months on their savings. This issue is made even even more serious by a recent statement from the EPF, which notes that Malaysians who plan to retire in 20 or 30 years from now will need a nest fund of between 900,000 to 1 million ringgit if they wish to live the rest of their lives comfortably. The EPF added actually those that plan to stop working in the new future would need at least 600,000 ringgit in their savings to have a dignified retirement in KL. And when you look up at the 600,000 ringgit savings threshold, EPF says that only about 4% of Malaysians could afford to retire. This is especially concerning because savings is not just about retirement, but it's an umbrella to protect you against rainy days that could come without warning. So for today's show, I'll be exploring about the whys and hows of this situation with my guest, Wan Ahmad Ikram Wan Ahmad Lutfi. He's the Executive Vice President of Perbadanan Insurance Deposit Malaysia, or better known as PIDM. Now, PIDM was set up in 2005 to administer the deposit insurance system aimed at protecting depositors. The agency has been actively advocating for Malaysians to build their financial resilience to better weather emergencies with various campaigns and surveys and you know Ikram is here to share the findings and their experience with this situation. So good morning Ikram, uh, welcome to the show. Good morning Ruben, thank you for having me today. Okay so let's start off with the first question, maybe you can paint a picture, a landscape for our listeners right, I mean what's the saving situations like in Malaysia through the many work that you've done, you know are Malaysians saving enough, what what, what does it look like? Thank you for, for that question Ruben. Uh, but maybe first of all just, just to, to, to link about you know what PIDM do and how does this link to financial literacy as you correctly mentioned just now, we administer the protection system for depositors as well as takaful and insurance benefits uh, policyholders, right? Um, awareness of PIDM is, is a, a key function because for consumers to have confidence in the system, they need to understand how it works. So, and we've been doing this right from the start and over the last few years, we found that financial literacy is important and we've anchored that because in order to have a stable uh, financial system, it's not just about the administration of the system, but also the confidence and the resilience of the financial consumers themselves. And as you correctly put, we have a number of things and issues that we need to address. So perhaps on your question about are Malaysians saving enough for emergencies. Just to share some stats, perhaps, you know, according to our study that we conducted in mid-2021, uh, 55% of people, or Malaysians, have less than 10,000 ringgit emergency savings. So I'd say that the ability of Malaysians to withstand financial shock is still a cause of concern. Uh, and, and as we head into the recovery phase going forward, this is something that we could pay a lot more attention to. Um, additionally, from the Bank Negara's Financial Capability and Inclusion Demand Side or FCI survey, 47% of the respondents faced difficulties in raising 1,000 ringgit during emergency, while 30% claim that they have too much debt. So uh, there, there are some real cause of concerns about you know, uh, the, the, the level of savings and how people are managing their financials, essentially. Um, there are a number of other surveys as well, like for example from Ringgit Plus, um, and we can dive on into a lot of numbers, but I think the message is, is, is pretty clear. There are concerns about how people are managing their finances. 
do do we have any idea of who are the ones that are not really savings? Well, according to our studies, we've generally picked out that youths and millennials are among those who are below the national average as far as savings concerned. And this is understandable given the pressure of starting out, you know, and as their commitment grows with family responsibilities. Um, again, a few key stats. Um, 45% uh, of uh, this group spend exactly or more than what they earn, right? And and of those, because of the nature of their work, 55% have not even started their retirement planning. And from our recent National Financial Literacy Symposium that was just uh, completed this month, uh, we found out a bit more detail about these uh, vulnerable groups. And this includes, uh, naturally, the B40, as what we would expect, Women, they tend to earn uh, less than men and therefore have a lot more, uh, lesser savings. Uh, retirees as well, actually, uh, because they, uh, it's at the stage where they start to use their money uh, rather than save. And gig workers. Another interesting point from our study that we found uh, was that most Malaysians save when they can rather than having regular fixed amounts of savings. So that's an interesting cue into some of the saving behaviours of Malaysians. Uh, but again, as I said, you know, uh, that could be due to a number of factors. Um, we also note that you know, uh, in most recent times, uh, more Malaysians are realising that EPF saving is not enough for their retirement, especially after the various EPF withdrawal schemes in 2021 and 2020. Uh, 2020 right? But um, what is probably more worrying is that among those who think that their EPF saving is not sufficient, almost half of them have not yet started their retirement planning. And that statistics perhaps have not really changed uh, as much uh, in the recent years. And that's one of the other area of focus uh, in terms of you know, the retirement uh, or, or the, the, the savings plan that we, we have uh, in mind. So why do we have this issue? I mean, let's, let's look, take it from a structural point of view, right? It, you know, what are the structural issues that is making it so hard, right? I think earlier there is some indication that you mentioned, right? Lower wages, you know, and right now we have these rising inflationary environment, right? I mean, well, I mean, uh, as I, I said, there's a lot of factors impacting the level of savings, right? And we generally know that um, some of these structural issues are already being addressed, you know, such as the increasing of the minimum wages, you know, uh, actions addressing inflation, education, uh, including the topic close to our heart, which is financial literacy. And we can see, particularly for financial literacy actions, been uh, reflected in the national financial uh, strategy for financial literacy, uh, as well as more recently, the Bank Negara's financial sector blueprint, 2022-26. Um, and the pandemic have definitely had an impact on the savings level. Um, but what I would like to draw the attention to here is the efforts and focus on financial literacy, particularly by the various parties and organisations from all fronts to help financial consumers to build and enhance their financial resilience. And that's basically what we're doing now as we speak. But has these activities been effective? I mean, any material changes or what kind of responses have you had through the various campaigns, various strategies in terms of trying to raise financial literacy amongst Malaysians? Um, based on the recent OECD survey, um, and as well as Bank Negara surveys, I think we could see that the level of financial literacy has improved, um, particularly at, on the knowledge aspects, as well as attitude. I think uh, a lot of people have learned their lessons, particularly during the pandemic, how important it is to have those emergency funds readily available. Although perhaps at the early stages, it was a struggle. 
because uh, you know they 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 were earning ends meet, um, but they would probably still have some avenues and capacity to be able to save. Uh, one thing that we note from our studies, um, there are a few key factors actually uh, that that have driven the ability to save from a behavioural standpoint, which is one of the elements under financial literacy, right? Um, in, in our studies, we discussed this factor of present bias as well as overconfidence. So present bias is, is basically, you know, people are, whether people are more willing to wait uh, and therefore in terms of their spending and therefore have more uh, funds for emergency savings. Uh, the present bias is more towards, okay, I see what I need now, so therefore I need to spend. But that is what then therefore, you know, uh, creates the strain in their savings. It's the lifestyle, mm. right? So the other aspects of, of uh, the behavioral part is this overconfidence where um, they believe that they are in a better financial position than what they're really in. Mm. Or, and, and when they are hit with certain uh, perils, uh, that's when they realize, ah, oh, they're not as great as what they think they were. So these are some of the things um, that I think we uh, can leverage on in terms of that knowledge and work out the relevant intervention to address some of these things. Okay, uh, and we'll dive a bit more into that uh, in just a bit, you know, especially from the financial literacy, resilience aspect, and also um, more about this behavior aspect as well, because uh, that's part of the survey that you've done with the Behavioral Insights team in the UK. So don't go anywhere, stay tuned. You know, we'll be going for a short break. Uh, BFM 89.9. Welcome back. You're tuned in to Ringgit and Sense. I'm Sim Weeboon and today's topic is savings and why Malaysians aren't saving enough. What's the issue here and how can we address it? Joining me to discuss this is one Ahmad Ikram Wan Ahmad Lutfi. He's the Executive Vice President of Perbadan Perbadan Insurance Deposit Malaysia or better known as PIDM. Now earlier in the show, he was painting a picture for us about how or generally what the savings situation is like in Malaysia. It wasn't really, it's not really, it's not going great. Uh, but um, now I want to follow up with this question, Ikram, which is the level of financial literacy for Malaysians, right? I mean, generally, what what are Malaysians unaware about when it comes to their personal finance? I mean, when it, when you, we talk about lack of financial literacy, right? Exactly, what are they lacking? Okay, um, well, from the National Financial Literacy Symposium or the NFLS that we've just recently uh, completed, uh, again we noted that. Uh, some of the uh, key areas like you know, the knowledge of savings, uh, money management, debt management, seems okay. Uh, but when it comes to slightly up the value chain, um, they, they do struggle. Uh, things like compounding interest, comp uh, time value of money concept, uh, and of course the more complex areas of investments and even insurance. Um, numeracy. Uh, when it comes to working out, you know, numbers also is a bit of a struggle. So like counting. <laughs> yes, you know, working out how much and, and, and actually, you know, uh, coming up with how much is the impact that they're going to be, uh, you know, uh, calculating or, or working out how much they need to save for how long to reach the target do seem to be a bit of a struggle for some. Uh, another area of uh, lacking in financial literacy perhaps is the digital financial literacy, which is also a bit of a concern. 
what, what what do you mean by digital financial literacy? Uh, okay, based on the um, s- studies recently, I think we all know that you know during the pandemic we were all pushed towards digital finance, right? Um, e payments and, and 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 whatnot. And the World Bank's recent release uh, global FinDEX report revealed that eight out of ten Malaysian adults now have uh, digital payment facilities. But what struck me out of that eight four of that or 42% of those Malaysians only have used it first time during the pandemic. Now that's worrying because it was more of a push into digital rather than uh, a, a pull and there's a concern about whether there's enough knowledge for them to be able to interact properly with, with those platforms. So a lot of people are participating in the digital payment, digital finance ecosystem, but but a lot of people doing it for the first time, which can be concerning because, we, you know, we've seen a rise in scams really and everything, yes. right? Yeah. So this is why it's important to build this uh, financial literacy. But any, anything else that's lacking that uh, you would like to highlight? I, I think it's also in, in that respect, right, uh, since we're on it, uh, there's also the concern about the uh, how people you know, behave uh, within the digital financial space, right? Uh, again, the Bank Negara FCI reports indicated some worrying stats. For example, 37% of Malaysians share their passwords and pins with friends, not families, friends. Uh, also, 62% of, you know, Malaysians don't particularly pay attention to the security of websites such as, you know, HTTPS or the security logo before making online transactions. So these are the risks moving forward and what we need to pay attention to. And we hope that uh, some of these can be addressed through financial literacy. Okay, so, you know, I understand that before the pandemic, PIDM and the Behavioural Insights team in the UK did collaborate on a study to explore why Malaysians aren't saving more. And, you know, this has a very interesting behavioural lens to it, which you touched on earlier before the break, you know. So maybe you can expand a bit more, you know. What did the study show? Why aren't we saving more? What are the catalysts for this? I I mentioned earlier about two key factors. One is present bias uh, present bias, and the other one is overconfidence. I think the present bias uh, influence uh, seems to be quite prevalent among the lower income uh, because, uh, again, understandably, they are focused on what they need to do for their day-to-day, right? Earning ends meet. Um, but it, it, it's still prevalent as we move up the income chain up to probably the M40s. And that's when uh, perhaps behavioral aspects comes more into play, lifestyle, right? So um, it's a question of do people spend on what they need or what they want. Again, that's all about, you know, uh, good financial management and having that uh, future focus in terms of savings, uh, having buffers for emergencies, as well as retirement. Uh, When it comes to overconfidence, um, it's more of an age factor. We found that uh, it's a bit more prevalent on the middle age uh, between 35 to 54 uh, age band. And... um, Again, I suppose this is going back to their experiences in life and, you know, uh, going through perhaps certain level of stability uh, during good times, but whether they have really thought about, you know, the unexpected, right? And and really uh, thought deep on that. Sufficient emergency savings, insurance plans to cover any really unexpected events. So those kind of things uh, are the areas that 
affects the overall confidence aspects of it. But what's also interesting from our study is that we tested some effectiveness of new intervention approaches. Uh, one of it, uh, we call it as smart defaults. Uh, these are like setting technology default actions, such as, you know, uh, save the spare change using applications, uh, software, you know, or have price or reward link savings and so on. So based on our studies, we found that these are some things that could help. And we hope to perhaps work with uh, or, or share this with parties who can make use of this to promote savings. What kind of other intervention methods that you have found to be somewhat would be effective in addressing this uh, these issues, you know, or maybe um, Im improving the situation that we're in? Well, um, of course, the typical um, approach on this would be through engagement, learnings, um, uh, financial literacy, and knowledge. Is of course, you know. Uh, it's, it's uh, the, the primary way to go. But it's addressing the different um, vulnerable groups, age groups, I think is going to be the challenge because people learn different ways. Uh, and um, the young ones, especially the new generation, learn dif very much differently to that of perhaps, say, my generation, right? So, um, but we try and cater all that and make the financial learning a bit more interesting. And that's what we try and do at PIDM, where we uh, have been doing our flagship financial resiliency campaign for the second year now. Uh, it's called Sedia uh, Payung Kewangan campaign. And on, in, in that campaign, we have put out a number of educational uh, yet uh, entertaining materials and contents uh, on our Sidipayong Kewanga microsite. Um, we also have uh, used uh, animated uh, videos. Uh, we have uh, our Sidipayong Kewanga uh, icon uh, or, or financial management icon, uh, Chief Peruang. And there's a series of, of, of videos on, on that, uh, which talks about how to, on giving tips on good financial management. So those are some of the activities that we have. What we also have put out actually in our Sidium Payung Kuanga microsite is what we call the SPK calculator. It's an interactive tool uh, that considers an individual income and expenses and inform how much uh, they would need to save for emergencies. So remember I mentioned uh, one of the areas that uh, certain people or certain groups of people are lacking is in terms of numeracy. Mm -hmm. So this tool actually will help to facilitate uh, that uh, by automating some of the calculation and uh, at least it, it, it helps uh, these people to to uh, address their concerns in terms of the technical knowledge on, on, on numeracy. This tool is free. Uh, it doesn't require any registration and anyone who's keen to build an emergency fund can use this SPK calculator. Okay, I, I want to go back a bit into what you were talking about with the present and overconfidence uh, being the main factors into that's kind of like stopping us from saving a lot, right? Why do you think these issues happen or why do you think we have this overwhelming sense of present bias and overconfidence, right? Is it because the temptation to spend is there? I mean, I understand that earlier we go, went through the structural issues, which is, you know, low wages, rising inflation, right? But could we also maybe wager perhaps like things like, you know, the availability of credit cards, buy now, pay later, um, the temptation of social media where everything's being displayed, sales. I mean, you know, I mean, 
when I was growing up, there was no 1-1, 11, 11, 12, 12. Now, every month, there is a date to sale, right? So, do you think this, these also factor into our temptation to spend, our temptation to not save? Well, on Weibun, I think I think those are some of the key points that we've picked out from our studies and surveys. And these are some of the things that we have tried to put out in terms of our approach uh, on literacy and you know, the, the way to intervene. Um, in our SPK campaign, for example, we have put out some webinars about how to, uh, you know, uh, 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 well, discussions about you know, fear of missing out for more versus joy of missing out, you know, and, and the balance of it. Sometimes it's good to just step back and just enjoy missing out, not follow other people, right, in terms of, you know, lifestyle and spending, which we do see uh, those trends, uh, particularly among the millennials and the younger generation. Um, it, of course, doesn't help with uh, some of the new uh, digital innovations. Um, that uh, is one of the other factors as well. And the buy now, pay later uh, programs or, or schemes also is something that we need to be mindful of, right? Although I think a lot of the providers now have put in a number of controls. And again, this is, you know, arising from the... Uh, the feedback and 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 responses by you know, parties to say that okay, uh, these can lead to some unintended consequences, and therefore for some of these um, schemes, right, they they put out certain limits mm. to be able to control uh, you know those actions of okay, I can buy now, but there's limits to it and if I don't pay uh, I'm not going to be able to proceed the next round right mm-hmm. so those are some of the intervention that works but mm-hmm. it's it's a journey it's a journey so lastly then looking ahead what do you find most concerning about the savings landscape of Malaysia right you know as it gets more serious you know what keeps you up at night I guess <laughs> Yeah, um, I, I think as far as the uh, journey on educating, uh, it's going and it's going pretty well. What do concern me uh, in the future landscape would be uh, the use of the digital finance. Because as you correctly put, we have more new innovations such as, you know, buy now, pay later, which is being addressed. Um there's also other things, but the concern is very much of whether we are pushing all these products and whether our consumers are ready to take it on from a knowledge standpoint. Yep, the first slide in front is yourself. And that's all the time we have for Ringgit and Sense. I've been speaking to one Ahmad Ikram, one Ahmad Lothi. He's the Executive Vice President for Perbadanan Insurance Deposit Malaysia, better known as PIDM. Join us again next week for more discussions on personal finance. I'm Simwi Boon from The Morning Run. We have the 10 a.m. News Bulletin coming up next, followed by Enterprise BFM 89.9. Ringgit and Sense on BFM 89.9, the business station. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.